Welcome to today's BCOG online podcast episode. These weekly sermons are a part of the growing online ministry of God. Buford Church of God is a growing multi-campus and multicultural Pentecostal church north of Atlanta. We are reaching people around the world to see lives transformed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in with us and enjoy today's episode with Senior Pastor Joey Grizzle. Please remain standing. Job chapter 38, reading verses 1 through 7. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? No, that'd be CNN. Now prepare yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstones? When the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. Say amen at the reading of God's word. You may be seated. I love the way God responds in this passage. I, I I want you to know the uniqueness of what God is doing here. It's, it's highly unusual for God to condescend to a place where he answers and defends himself. But here in this particular passage, you see that God has actually busied himself coming down and making a defense of his own motives and perceptions and actions. It's an incredible story. It doesn't happen anywhere else in the Bible. God often will respond. He'll rebuke. He may have some sort of conversation. But you have a monologue that stretches for chapters where God comes down in the middle of this theological dispute and inserts himself and defends himself. Now, if there's no other resume for Job, this is the greatest resume. That God would condescend to a place of answering questions. Submitting himself to the argument. Now, I must be honest with you. There are lots of arguments all around us. And your level of anointing is not determined by how many you get into. It's how many are beneath you. Somebody talk to me. There's a lot of people who spend an extraordinary amount of time getting into arguments. God has a Bible full of potential arguments. But rarely does he allow himself... A moment of respite where he actually engages on a level of real conversation with people who have antagonistic thoughts toward him. But he did for Job. I want to teach you something that has nothing to do with the sermon, but it's a great leadership principle. Confrontation is the highest expression of love. If you want confrontation, you need to have a relationship that deserves it. 
The worst thing that can happen to you is for leaders in your life to just pat you on the head and go, you're so cute. Such a wonderful blessing. And then all of a sudden, you're just left being flattered and affirmed rather than confronted where you are. Now, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your perspective, you're at the Buford Church of God. We're a highly confrontational group around here. We believe that God saves us to the uttermost and there's not a lot of subjects that we try and avoid. But in this particular story, God loved Job enough to come down and talk to him. Remember lesson of life number two. If you're going to have a conversation with God, just know this. He's not going to talk about what you want to talk about. The first thing that God did is he said, Who is this that darkens my presence, darkens my counsel without knowledge? If you're going to have a conversation with the divine, unfortunately, it's going to start with a very simple phrase. You're a moron. You're talking, you don't know what you're talking about. Job has a whole book named after him. The poetry of the book of Job is beyond Shakespeare. It is incredible literature. The theological positioning of Job in retaliation to the equally argumentative language of those who opposed Job is beautiful. The tapestry of the language, the, the way they presented their arguments, the way Job went about presenting this idea that he was wrongly treated by the divine after living a righteous life and now having to suffer in the middle of his righteousness. And he, he had all of these great things to say. And yet, in regardless of how grand he was, when God showed up to talk to Job, his first words were, you're ignorant. And if you can't handle being offended, you're not going to be close to God. Because I promise you, I don't care who you think you are, God is not impressed. We live in a culture that is infuriating in its arrogance. The conceit with which they talk about things and you know if it weren't for a teleprompter, they wouldn't know what they're talking about. Still talking about CNN. We can talk about CNN because it's in Atlanta. It's part of our family. So when it's in the family, we can talk about it. Listen to me, church. There comes a moment when you realize if you're going to come to God, you'll realize one thing really quick. He's God, you're not. Well, Pastor, I'm not sure I like the way that Jesus comes to me in such a different way. That It's not the Jesus that I've met. I'm the guy that got ran out of the temple with a bullwhip. I'm the person that was confronted by Christ. If the only Jesus you know is the loving, affirming, flattering kind, it could be a demon. Somebody talk to me. Anybody ever remember going to church? clinging to the back of a pew while they preached on what you'd been up to all week? Somebody talk to me. 
showing up in church because you felt the convicting power of the holiness of God and the heavy presence of God and you realized in the words of that historical preacher we are nothing but sinners in the hands of an angry God and you you had this philosophical approach to Christ that caused you to realize that when you get into the presence of a king you should assume the position of submission not the one of a bossy little brat that comes to get what they want he's God and I'm not and I'm afraid we're swimming in an ocean of stupid right now The best thing you can do for your sanity is just turn the television off. There are so many people saying so many competing things that none of it seems to make sense. There are people who are coming up with outlandish ideas, crazy perspectives on life. Thank God for the book of Job. Because it helps you realize that Christianity is not designed to give you a case of prosperity and a bucket of new friends. Christianity sometimes will cost you. It's going to be a cross that you have to carry. And there will be seasons where God does not answer your prayer. There will be times when it doesn't feel like God is listening to you. And if you're the kind of person that's going to exact revenge on God, you will eventually walk away or crucify him yourself. But how many of you are here today that can say, you know what, I know what it means to praise God in the good times and in the bad times. Because I know that the God of the mountain is still God in the valley the God of the day is still God at night and I'm not going to allow my praise to be diminished because of the chaos of the circumstances well pastor isn't being a Christian doesn't that mean your church is going to grow and going to have great prosperity gee I don't know ask Afghanistan they're having church over there they are they committed to gathering on Sunday and they're paying for it with their lives. Our brothers and sisters in Christ are dying right now. I am so sick of the condescending, petty, petulant attitude of Americans. The way we deal with real problems in Afghanistan, and yet we have millionaires running around on football fields complaining about how hard their life is. What are we going to do if we ever have real problems? Is the church made of cotton candy and lollipops and handing out little flowers? Is that what we've reduced Christianity to? Or is there somebody here that can say, Naked came I into this world, naked I shall depart. But blessed be the name of the Lord. I look to my right and I can't find him. I look to the left. I don't know where he is in front of me, behind me. But I know my Redeemer lives. And when I'm tried, I'll come forth as gold. Though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. I will yet magnify my God. My praise will not be a slave to my circumstances. My praise is bigger than my cancer. My praise is bigger than my storm. My praise is bigger than the rebellion of a household. My praise is bigger than a financial difficulty. My praise is bigger than anything the devil can throw at me. Why? For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. And I will not allow my praise to be diminished by the storms that surround my life. Why? Because the very water that terrifies me is underneath the feet of my king. What I may drown in, he's already walking on. My God 
shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. I will not be afraid of what the devil throws at me because my God is on the throne. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. My dad said this about my ministry when I was first getting started. I was trying to figure out what was unique about me, what would be a specific focus of my life. And one of the things dad said to me, he said, you know, son, you've got a way of inspiring confidence. That when people get around you, they just feel like they're capable of doing extraordinary things. So I ran with that. I just feel like, okay, if I only have one superpower, that's what I'm going to hand out. Shield of faith, quenching all the fiery darts of the enemy. Stand in front of the devil. <laughs> Say, you know, your servant used to be a shepherd. But today, when I knock that giant's head clean off, <laughs> I mean, look at Priscilla. She preached for you just a couple of weeks ago, right? Hey, 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 wasn't that great? She didn't have any inclination that she was called to do that sort of thing, yet she knew she can. Manny wasn't called to preach, hang, keep, hang around this Pentecostal pond, you'll fall in. You'll be shocked what you can do. Pastor Todd first came to me, felt like God had called him into the ministry. Did I have any advice? Not much because God was moving, so I didn't say much. I said, learn to play the guitar. Couldn't even play the guitar when he started. Now look at him. Gary Scrogg sitting on a cinder block in front of the parsonage of Monroe Church of God. Never had preached much at all. Feel like God's called me into the ministry. I said, all I can tell you is you just opened up the windows of heaven, and wherever you go, I'll be the gate through which you walk. I believe God has called you, and I'm going to be the one to open the door. I believe it. I believe with all my heart. I, I can walk into a room and, and people just seem to feel like everything's going to be all right. That's the only thing I've got, so I'm going to brag about the gift that God has given me. I thank God for it. But it's not because I have something. It's because I don't have something. You see, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind so that when everybody else is going crazy I've got peace that surpasses understanding I, I've got a glory that transcends the, the moment I, I, have, I have a strength that, that is sustaining me when everything else falls apart why? my house is not built on the sinking sand of man's opinion my house is built on the rock of Jesus Christ on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand all other ground is sinking sand God is on my side so I don't have to be afraid. Well, pastor, what about all of the pandemic and the politics and the persecution? It's real and you need to be safe. I'm not telling you to be foolish. Wisdom is not contradictory to faith. But I am telling you, you can be wise and full of faith without allowing the devil to plague you with anxiety and fear. I take authority over the lives that are in this church right now and I bind that spirit of anxiety that's waking you up at night. I bind that spirit of bad dreams that's causing you to remember 
where you used to be. I speak to PTSD. I speak to those who are battling depression. I speak to those who are battling anxiety and panic attacks. I speak to that right now in the name of Jesus and by the authority of the God who hung the stars in the sky. I ask God to heal you and to fill you with the power of the Holy Ghost so that what blinded what blinded you and bound you on the way in will not be what you carry on your way out. You know what I'm talking about when those thoughts start twisting you on the inside and you're thinking about it all the time and it just plagues you and it just warps your mind and you're so angry and frustrated. I bind it in the name of Jesus and I speak freedom. Freedom in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against you going to prosper. Greater is he that is in you than he that is of the world. The church has been through worse. We will make it through again. Now, God is the greatest communicator, period. There is no one like God who can speak into controversy like God can. And I was reading this as God defended himself, a whole book trying to get him to say something. God condescends and comes down and answers for himself. And the greatest debater, the greatest intellect, the master planner of the whole universe has a repeated refrain for verse after verse. And I thought to myself, I'm going to steal that line for me. God was in an argument with Job. Not a real argument because Job was a great guy going through some bad stuff, just trying to figure out why he had to go through it. I, however, am not in an argument with Job, a great guy. I'm in an argument with a virus and an argument with a political system that seems so jaded that our fuel in America is no longer hope, it's hate. I'm surrounded by people who have the dumbest ideas. Remember when you used to be able to talk to your children about the birds and the bees? Now you got to talk about the birds and the birds. And the bees and the bees. And the bees that are turning into birds and birds that are turning into bees. Somebody talk to me. It's confusing. People putting pressure on you. Change the way you approach life. Don't worship the way you want to worship. Well, I'm going to answer like God. Where were you? I have a beautiful wife. None better. My wife was a gift and is a gift from God to me. More beautiful now than the day I first saw her, and that was, that was a day that shook me. Took me a year to chase her down, but I saw her. People come up to me all the time. Pastor, what was your first thought 
when you saw your wife? Well, my second thought... (laughs) There have been moments where a lady will insert herself into my life and and flirt with me. Maybe I might be leaving the church and they want to give me the Jesus eyes. See, Mia Mia was in my life when... I was pretty well a hopeless case. Right, Manny? You remember those days? I mean, you see them and you know what we're, we're capable of, but nobody else knows and nobody else really believes it. But we, we really see a beautiful young lady we want to be a part of. I know you don't know what I'm talking about. but <laughs> She had a red cutlass. That was given to her by her county commissioner grandfather, the godfather of Milton, Florida. She was working in the office at Lee College at that time. She was in a sorority. She had all of these really cool friends. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. I've had to marry some of you, I've looked at the girls on one side. And this crew you bring in here on the other side, you ain't even spoken to them. And you're just paying for tuxedos trying to find somebody who'll stand still for a picture. I was driving a, an old, ugly Mercury Capri. No air conditioning. Couldn't afford college. Had to go home for a little while. Work a night shift. She's still up at college. She would meet me on Saturdays to go on dates with me. We'd go on a date. She'd go back to college. I'd go back to night shift. Finally, I made it back to college. I worked two jobs. She had to work in a, in a law office. I'm over there chasing children at the Boys and Girls Club, casting the devils out just everywhere. She's working in a law office. I'm working in the Gatherings. (laughs) Read your Bibles. There's a punchline there for you. We get married. We live in this little bitty cottage. Has one bedroom, little bitty bathroom that I tried to fix the plumbing and flooded. Had a kitchen and a living room. Our first night in that little cottage... We had to sleep on the floor because we didn't even have a bed. Took her to be a youth pastor, then to the bird dog capital of the world to pastor a church. and Brought her all the way here to Buford. Just drug her all over the country. Had the babies. Well, she had them. I'll be in there preaching. She'll be having 14 diaper bags and one child on one leg, pinching the ear of the other, trying to get them in the car and strapped in and buckled in. So here's what I say to the woman who wants to come into my life. Where were you when it mattered? Where were you 
when I didn't have any money? Where were you before I put my life together? Why would I trade that in for somebody who wasn't there? Because if somebody wasn't there, they don't have a right to question where you are. That's what God was saying. If you weren't there, you can't tell me how to do my business. And so I say to those who would interfere with your marriage, my marriage, where were you when it counted? Where were you when the time was, was short? Where were you when, when everything was on the line and everybody counting us out but each other? Where were you? And there's a lot of people in your life, too, put pressure on you. Tell you what you can do, can't do, what you're capable of, what you're not capable of. Have all these grand opinions about your motives and question everything. You know what I'm talking about. I'm sure you've been around enough to develop some of those friends. I like what David said to Saul. When Saul said, you can't go out there and do what's in your heart. You can't be what God's called you to be because you're just a youth. And he's been a warrior from his youth. And David responded, yeah, but see, you weren't there when the bear came. You weren't there when the lion came. And the same God that did it then is the same God that's going to do it now. And I recognize that people look at Buford Church of God, at your Pentecostal faith, and they say, well, why do, why do those people have to get so excited? Why do you have to cry? Why do you have to shout? Why do you have to sing the song over and over and over and over again until people are just absolutely just going demonstratively crazy right there in the altar? Why do you have to act that way? I want to say to you, you aren't there. You don't know what hell we had to go through to get in this church. You don't know what sins had to be washed in the blood and purified by his power. But thanks be unto God, God saw me when I was lost and undone. God saw me. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me when it was just in time. So I'm going to praise his name. You weren't there. You weren't there. You weren't there. You weren't there. Don't live your life by the opinions and manipulations of people who weren't there. I'm just going to praise God anyways. Praise you, Jesus. You can almost hear the heartbreak of God. Where were you when I formed you out of the dust of the ground? I created all of this just so you could breathe. You don't breathe in unless I breathe out. Your heart beats to my glory. The ocean tides roll into my glory. The sky is according to my glory. I took the stars and flung them with my hand. How dare you spend all your life looking down in the dirt when you should be looking up at my glory. And I know what some people ask. You want to reverse the question. You want to say to God, where were you when I was alone? And I felt the Holy Spirit speak through me today. And I want you to hear this. God says, I was there. Amen. 
Get that day in your mind right now. God says, I was there. When everybody else was walking out, I was walking in. When all of the storms and struggles and trials were in your life and there didn't seem to be a shoulder to lean on, I was the one that carried you. The reason you're here today sitting in this great church is because God never abandoned you. He never walked away from you. You can say, well, pastor, what about when I was on drugs? He was there. What, what about when I was at the bar and I was living for the devil? He was there. What about when I was by the graveside and everybody walked away? He was there. Yay, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't have to fear any evil for God is with me. God promises I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you even to the end of the age. You're not alone. Say it with me. I'm not alone. What God is capable of doing with this passage of Scripture is able to change the perspective of the conversation. You see, if you only talk about your personal story and it all becomes about you, then God can be very confusing because your life testimony is not qualified to contain the truths of God. What you have to do is place yourself within the kingdom of God and draw a perspective from what God has created both in heaven and on earth. And what God said to Job and what he said to Abraham, he said, look up. You see the stars? I created all that. You see the sunrise? It's to my glory. You, see, you hear the ocean? That's the sound of my voice. The wind blows to my glory. My power is from everlasting to everlasting. I am above what plagues your mind. And when you change your perspective, it will change the trajectory of your praise. And all of a sudden, what you were plagued by becomes different when you are allowing those things to be in submission to the revelation of Christ. The heavens declare His glory and the earth is handiwork. I told you the story about a lady who went to a professional counselor. And she needed professional counseling. And for several sessions, she unloaded about her problems, her family, her friends, and all of the difficulties in her life. And how she didn't have what she wanted. She didn't look the way she wanted to look. She didn't go where she wanted to go. And all of the dilemmas that plagued her various disorders. And, and when she got finished with these several sessions, the counselor said, I want to write you a prescription and I want you to follow it to the letter. She said, yes, sir. And he wrote this prescription out and handed it to her and she unfolded it. She grew angry. For on the note it said, leave immediately. Fly to Niagara Falls, New York. Check in to the local hotel. Leave your room, go to the lowest platform, and stare at Niagara Falls for six hours a day for an entire week. At the end of the week, you will be cured. How dare you? With all that I've gone through, with all of my problems, with all of my difficulties, this is going to fix me? Ma'am, I've heard you complain for a solid week of sessions 
telling me all of the difficulties, dilemmas, and problems that face your life. Basically, all you need to learn is that there's something in life bigger than you are. I will look under the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. Now seeing that we're compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so hinder and easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look up when things grow dark here on earth. No wonder God told us when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars. When you hear of earthquakes and pandemics in various places. When you see these things start to happen. Lift up your head. Your redemption draws nigh. Hallelujah. I know that times seem tough and the hour is dark and things are difficult, but I sense that God is still speaking to us through the book of Job as he looks at the church and says, you keep talking about where you are and what you're going through, but I want to ask you a question. Where were you when I said, let there be light, and there was light? Where were you when I raised up the mountains with the word and I carved out the oceans with my fingertips? Where were you when I took the stars and flung them with my hand? And I encourage you to remember that the same God that did it then is the same God that's still on the throne now. No matter what this world goes through, through they can't put Jesus back in the grave I know my Redeemer lives I know my God is alive he's alive he's alive he's alive hallelujah and so I say today let's unleash our praise God size Let's stare the devil right in the face and let's say to God, you're not going to hear one more complaint out of me. You're not going to hear me whining. I'm going to lift up my hands and I'm going to magnify my God because regardless of what's going on in this world, I know my God is greater than the storm. My God is bigger than my difficulties. He is deeper than all of my problems and I will yet praise my God. Somebody give him praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me all over the house. I believe with all of my heart that the dilemma with a lot of people when you face the circumstances of life can pale in comparison if you'll take that same testimony and compare it to the lives that are in the Bible. And Job gives you an incredible insight. He doesn't tell you that you're going to find your answers. You know that old song, Father along we'll know all about it. Father along we'll understand why. So cheer up my brother, live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. That's not true. Beautiful song. Not true. 
older I get, the dumber I get. I can't figure anything out anymore. But I have decided I don't serve the God of answers. I serve the God of peace. If you serve and want God to become the God of answers, you'll eventually bow down to demonic control. Because the devil will give you an answer. That's how cults are formed. People who get all the answers. The Bible was never written so that you would have all the answers. The Bible creates tension in your heart. So that you live between the extremes of Scripture. Balancing between justice and love. There's more to what I just said than what you realized. There's great extremes in the Bible so that it pulls you to balance. But if you're just going to serve God of answers, you'll quit. You'll quit. Because eventually, if you're a parent, they're going to be a teenager. And then you're just going to wake up and go, I have no idea what to say. Eventually, you're going to go to a graveyard. Eventually, you're going to get a report from the doctor. And when that happens, the weak will walk away. But in the words of Evie Hill, preaching his wife's funeral, the sign of Christian maturity is when he breaks your heart. Christian maturity. When he doesn't give you what you ask for. Christian maturity. Blessed be the name of the Lord. For this I know. He was there. Job is perhaps the oldest book in the Bible. The one written before any other. It is a perspective based on God even without the law of Moses. It's a perspective on God without the revelation of Christ. You have a longer answer from God now. Where were you if Jesus were speaking right now? Where were you when I walked on water? Where were you when I cast the devil out of the man from the Gadarenes? Where were you when I protected that woman from being stoned when I said he was without sin? Let him cast the first stone. Where were you when I multiplied the bread and the fish? Where were you when I took the nails in my hand and the cat of nine tails across my back? Where were you when I breathed my last and descended into hell and preached liberty to the captives? Where were you when I rose from the dead? Where were you when I ascended to the right hand of the Father? This is no time to question God. It's time to lift up our heads. Our redemption draws nigh. God is here. I feel a healing in hearts today. It's so good to feast on His Word.
May he give you beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. A garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. May you be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Blessed when you rise and when you lay down at night. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you and give you peace. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm on your face and the rains fall softly on your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next Sunday. We hope you enjoy Pastor Joey's word today. To find out more about our ministry, visit bcog.me. Our services are live streamed weekly on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, you can talk to one of our pastors anytime via bcog.me messenger. See you again in the next podcast episode.